Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded June 21st, 2023. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. This week, the podcast is a little different. With the midpoint of the year coming up, we're revisiting the charts we discuss the most and that seem to resonate the most in our meetings with investors in the first half of the year. Although the S&P has now pulled ahead of our recently revised year-end 2023 S&P 500 price target of 4250, we've been north of the consensus tracked by Bloomberg on a median basis even before we raised it from 4100 several weeks ago. For the past few months, investors we've been meeting with have generally assigned us to the bullish camp given what they've described as a more constructive view of the stock market on our part relative to others. We've joked back that we felt more neutral than bullish, but agree that we aren't part of the bearish camp. Our top charts, which we run through in today's podcast, help to illustrate why we've had this mindset. As for where we think markets are going now, most of our top charts are telling us that the rally may still have a little bit more room left in it, though one of our charts, which is sentiment-based, requires close monitoring as it may soon signal that the rally has gone too far. If you'd like to hear more, here's another seven minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that if you found this podcast and our research helpful, we'd appreciate your support in the Institutional Investor All-America Research Survey. Please vote for Lori Calvacina in the Portfolio Strategy category. Voting is open now and expected to stay open through June 23rd. Now the details. Top chart number one. This is the chart that caused many equity investors to get more open-minded about the rally in our second quarter meetings. There's no doubt in our minds that our top chart in the first half of 2023 is the one that shows how the S&P 500 essentially ignored the 1945 recession coming out of World War II, another period of post-crisis normalization. We've written extensively about the similarities and differences between that period and today in a few different reports. The main thing to know is that back then the U.S. economy experienced a technical recession complete with a real GDP decline and job losses in 1945 when conditions started returning to normal and massive government support, in that instance fiscal as opposed to monetary, was withdrawn in a hurry. Private investment and consumption remain strong, echoes of the resiliency of consumers and corporate profits that have helped prop up stock prices today. When investors repeatedly told us throughout the first half of 2023 that the stock market couldn't possibly have bottomed in October because the S&P 500 has literally never priced in a recession before it started, our response was perhaps that's true, but there was one time when the stock market ignored a recession completely, and it actually has some similarities to the period we're in today. This chart has caused more than one bearishly inclined investors to pause, reflect, and reconsider their views. As one client told us recently, this comparison provided a realistic reason why things could be different this time than this typical recession path of market pricing. Next up, top chart number two. This is the chart that has framed our view of what kind of stock market we've been in today for quite some time. One of the reasons why the 1945 chart spoke to us so deeply, other than our innate love of political science, is that we've never thought the label bear market rally was the right way to describe the move in the S&P 500 this year. Rather, dating back to last year, we've talked a lot in meetings about how the current environment has reminded us of two other periods that we've lived through in our two-decade equity strategy career, 0203 and 2010-2011. 
Both of those were multi-year periods that came after the initial powerful recovery in the stock market that followed a major crisis and substantial decline, the bursting of the tech bubble and the great financial crisis. In both periods, the S&P 500 retested the same lows over and over and over again, and investors were constantly worrying about whether the U.S. would tip back into recession again. Fallout from the major crises of those era and geopolitical stresses, accounting fraud in the Iraq War in the case of 0203 and the sovereign debt crises of 2010-2011 kept confidence extremely fragile for quite some time. Interestingly, the S&P 500 has traded with a 70% correlation with 0203 for the past year and a half. Using both the 0203 and 2010-2011 periods as a guide, the stock market is basically at a point in the timeline where history suggests it should start to come out of its rut. As much as we've wanted the COVID narrative in the stock market behind us, we've unfortunately been stuck in its epilogue. The good news is that the recent trading suggests this post-COVID phase may finally be coming to an end. Moving on to top chart number three. This is the chart that debunked the myth that the October lows needed a retest because sell-side earnings forecasts were too high. Our long-time love of debate and appreciation for well-thought-out arguments is something that predates our time covering the stock market. One argument that's really bothered this lead author this year is the idea that the S&P 500 needed to retest the October lows because earnings estimates were too high. Experience has taught us that stocks are discounting mechanisms and often price in big developments ahead of time. We spent some time early this year studying the timing and duration of earnings downgrade cycles and stock market bottoms and found that stock prices tend to bottom three to six months before earnings forecasts on the sell side start to be mostly positive again. The timeline was admittedly off a little in 2023, with the S&P 500 not returning to positive revision territory until late May. Despite being a month off, this rule of thumb did end up coming very close to the 2022-2023 reality of an October 2022 bottom and the May 2023 return of positive revisions. Importantly, growth sectors like tech that had been a major source of downward revisions in 2022 have helped lead the charge in the earnings revision recovery for the broader market this year. Moving on to top chart number four. This is the chart that's argued against the idea that the S&P 500 deserves to trade at a 15, 16 times PE. This chart could easily be in our top five discussed over the past 12 months, as we began talking about it a lot last fall. It's our S&P 500 PE model, which forecasts a year in 2023 trailing PE for the S&P 500 index, based on data going back to the 1960s. The current version of the model, which we're constantly fine-tuning, uses consensus forecasts for PCE, real GDP, 10-year yields, and Fed funds to predict where the PE should be at year-end. While many investors have been throwing out 15, 16 times as the PE they think the S&P should trade at, our model has been suggesting that a PE in the low 20s is pretty realistic at year-end 2023 if inflation indeed moderates to the mid-3% range as consensus forecasts have been anticipating. That's true even with weak GDP and Fed funds above 5% baked into the model. The expectation that 10-year yields will end up in the mid-3% range at the end of this year has also been helping prop up the year-end PE forecast. One of the key things that we've learned from this model is that in the 70s and early 80s, the last time the stock market grappled with intense inflation, inflation was a more significant driver of PEs than rates or the Fed. That tidbit of history suggests to us that the expectation for moderating inflation is what's been helping prop up PEs to levels greater than investors have anticipated in early 2023. 
even on our below consensus earnings forecast of 213. This model has argued that the S&P 500 deserves to trade over 4,600 if a 21.7 PE manifests at the end of the year, as the model projects. It's been one of the more bullish components of our S&P 500 targeting process this year and suggests to us that the rally may have a little bit more room to run from here. We'll wrap up with top chart number five. This is the chart that's provided a gut check on deeply entrenched bearish views. Our last top chart is an old favorite, which is used by many on the street. It's not unique to us. And it's one that we always return to, but because it helps us understand when sentiment has gotten too extreme in either direction. It's our chart highlighting how deeply bearish individual investors were to start the year, with AAII net bullishness sitting near financial crisis lows. Typically, from those kinds of levels, the S&P 500 posts mid-teen gains over the next 12 months, something that has been suggesting to us that the S&P 500's move to slightly above 4,400 has been rational. Sentiment on this indicator had started to recover before the banking crisis, then quickly fell again. In recent weeks, another recovery appears to be taking hold, and the bias is back in favor of the bulls again. For now, the chart helps explain how the move in the S&P 500 has been justified. Admittedly, we're now watching it closely as we expect it to help signal when the rally has gone too far. We're getting closer to that point, but don't think we're there just yet. On a four-week average, plus 30% in favor of the bulls typically spells trouble for the stock market. The latest unadjusted weekly data point has the bulls at plus 22%, with the four-week average still down around 5%. For now, this chart helps to keep us in the constructive camp, but admittedly, we're not sure how long that's going to last. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out to your RBC representative with any questions. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.